can't wait to jump into our uh, second installment in the, <clears throat> in the book of James this morning with you. But I do just want to mention one thing. Melissa mentioned some of the things that God's been doing around here the course of the last week. And really fun to see what he's doing. I want to mention just one other thing. On, on Friday morning, uh, we had our first uh, men's study called 33. The first time it met was Friday morning. And I just wanted to say it was so neat to see over 100 guys, you know, packed into the hub upstairs and, and really just going before the Lord and saying, Lord, we want to be better men. We want to learn what does it mean? What's your vision for, for being a leader in our homes and in our workplaces and all these other things? And, and so I just w- first just want to say, way to go, guys. But I also, the reason I wanted to mention it is this. We still have five more weeks together. And so if you're not signed up for that, there are certain things as a pastor you just hope that everybody will be a part of. Um, I would say the next five weeks are one of those. And so if you guys can do that, you can be a part of that, register today, and we'd love to see you on Friday. And again, just leaning in and saying, Lord, what do you have for our lives? How can we be a part of that? So, well, today we are in the second half of chapter one of the book of James. And if you're newer to the scriptures, uh, the book of James, you can go ahead and actually flip there, click there now. Um, The book of James, let me say just a couple of things about it. It's a fairly short book in the New Testament, just five chapters long. The thing I love about the book of James is it's so practical. It's one of those hard-hitting books. The book of James, uh, you know, it it really just lays out hard truth. Um, But it also, along with that, it's so practical. You can walk away and you can go, okay, I, I understand very clearly what this was saying to me. And so our prayer as we go through this series is simply this is that we want to come to the scriptures each week and we just want to say, Lord, would you teach us? And our prayer is that there might be one of those weeks, maybe it's even this week for you, where you would just say, wow, my study through the, our study through the book of James as a church, God did something in my life on this particular week. He had that message just for me. And so that's our prayer, that the Lord would just change us and move us as we go through this series. I had a fun interaction with our youngest son. He's eight years old. This this past week, uh, he was home sick on, on Monday, and on Monday's my day off, and so I was home with him the majority of the day, and, and so we were just kind of hanging out, and by lunchtime, it seemed like he was hungry, and so he said, hey, I'd like to try to eat some lunch. I said, okay, great, what do you want? And he said, I'll take a sandwich, and I was like, okay, I'm here to serve. How can I make that for you, you know? And he said, actually, I, I, I want to make it. I said, okay, great. So he went, he toasted some bread, and then he put this cheddar cheese, shredded cheddar cheese all over, and then, then he piled it high with lettuce, and, and I was like, oh, I think you're still sick, you know, whatever. And, and anyway, then I, I sit down at the table, and I'm waiting for him, and he comes, and he's got a toothpick in each of the four corners to hold this monster together, and, and we just sat there, and as we talked, I just thought to myself, wow, and I, I said to him, I said, man, Easton, you're just really growing up. And I said, I just, you know, it was just a really joyful time with him. And, and I said, I, I just want to tell you I love you. And, and, and buddy, I'm just really proud of you. And, and I'm so glad we got to spend today together. And, and he said, you know, Dad, I love you too. And I'm actually proud of you too. And I was like, well, thanks, buddy, you know. And, but as we were sitting there, I just, I had this thought go through my mind. And it just created this picture in my mind that I wanted to share with you today. I wonder what it's like for your and I's Heavenly Father I wonder what goes through his mind when, he, when we meet with him. I wonder what goes through the mind of God when you sit in his presence, like when you want to, when you delight in that. And the reason I share that is, is this, because I don't know what your image of God is. I don't know what your image of God is. But I will say this. We know that when we pursue Jesus, when we say, Lord, I want you to speak to me, Lord, I long to meet with you today, I just wanted to share this with you. When we come with that humble posture of, God, would you speak to me? I want you to know that God delights in you, that he loves that about you. 
That when you come and you make your way even on a snowy Sunday and, and you just show up as a, just, just being here, you're saying, Lord, I want to hear from you. I just want to encourage you this morning that, that when you have that kind of a posture, that brings delight to the heart of God. And so that's a complete tangent from where we're going this morning, but I felt the nudge to share it with you because, again, I just want you to know when your heart desires to pursue Jesus, the heart of God embraces that, and it's a good, good thing. So, so let's get to work. Uh, last weekend, as we, we said, we started this series through the book of James. Uh, I, we got introduced to the writer, James himself, and I want to just refresh your memory on a few things about him as, before we jump into the text for this morning. We know this about James. We know that James is the half-brother of Jesus. And so he writes from a very unique perspective. I mean, think about that. He's, he's, he's growing up with Jesus. And he starts the book in, a, I think, a very dramatic way. He says right away, he says this. Here's who I am, introducing himself. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that statement coming from the half-brother of Jesus, that lands with a lot of weight. He's saying a whole lot in that one sentence about who Jesus Christ is. Now, I have an older brother who I love, but I can guarantee you that neither he nor I ever had the thought as we grew up together, my brother, he is God, and I am his servant. Now, I thought about calling him this week and just making sure that he never thought that about me, but I knew I was wasting my time, right? But know this. Think about this for a second. As Jesus watched, as James watched Jesus... As James watched Jesus, and at the end of the day, he concluded this, such a strong statement. He said, I am a servant of God. And who is God? That God is Jesus Christ. But know this. Tim said this last week. It wasn't always that way. In John chapter 7, verse 5, it says, even his own brothers did not believe in him. Like they had their own doubts. But then we fast forward in the scriptures. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And it says this, that post-resurrection, so after Jesus goes to the cross, he's persecuted, he's beaten, he's, he goes to the cross. After he rises from the grave, he, you know, we're forgiven through his death and resurrection. And so after that, though, he then appears to people. And one of the people that he appears to is his brother James. And the scriptures are pretty clear on this, that after that, it changed everything for James. In Acts chapter 15, we see that James is referred to very clearly as a leader of the church in Jerusalem. Galatians chapter 2, he's referred to as a pillar of the early church. And so he goes from being this maybe skeptical person to a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. To the one that says, hey, when I begin this book, when I introduce myself, I proudly say, James, a servant of Jesus Christ, and he is God. So that's, that's where James comes from. And the reason I share that is because of this. The words of James land with a whole lot of weight because James knew who Jesus was. James knew who he was. And so last weekend we saw James talking to us about trials and temptations. This week we're going to see a completely different topic. To set it up, let me ask you a question. Have you ever halfway listened to someone? Like have you ever been in one of those conversations that you're listening to them and maybe even you're nodding? And, mm, and maybe giving the mm, mm, with you, mm, you know, you know what I'm talking about? But you're not there. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're there and you're, you're hearing, but you're not listening. Like you, you couldn't recount what they said to you. You're so distracted by something else that your, your thoughts aren't tracking with them. In today's text, what we're going to see is this. We're not only going to be encouraged by James to be good listeners, like fully engaged, 
but we're also going to be encouraged to be the kind of people that after we listen to the things that God says to us, we don't just kind of move on. We actually go out and we do the things that we, that we learn, that we become people of action. I want you to imagine for a second that you're meeting with a physician. Imagine you've gone to this physician because there's something wrong with you. And so you go to your appointment, you get the scans, you get whatever needs to be done to you, and then you go home, and then you have that waiting period, and then they call you back in for the consultation. Have anybody ever been in these situations? And so then the doctor comes in for the consultation, and imagine then that this physician that you respect, imagine that he walks in or she walks in, and they begin to tell you what's wrong with you. Now let me ask you, would you be clinging to every word that they said? Of course you would. You'd be listening so intently, and you would want to know, okay, what's the plan, and what's the next step, and you'd be taking notes, and you'd be on the edge of your seat because this is so, so important. Imagine this, though. Imagine you go to the trouble to show up for the first appointment. You go to the trouble to, to sit through the second appointment. Maybe you drive on a snowy day to get there, even. But imagine that you're sitting there. The doctor tells you all the things, a physician that you respect, but imagine that you walk out of there, and you do nothing that that doctor suggested that you do. You ignore it. All the prescriptions that were given to you, you just say, ah, I don't know. It's probably not true. And you just move on. Now, you in just hearing that, you go, this, that, that, that's foolish. Why wouldn't you take the counsel? This text is going to drive us this morning to answer this question. When God speaks, how do I respond? Like when I get the news from God, when I get instruction from God, what am I like? How do I respond to it? Do I simply hear or does it move me? Does it result in action? Does it put me in action mode when I hear the words of God? And so much of what we're going to hear this morning goes right down to the heart. Like at the heart level, when God speaks, am I so infatuated with who Jesus Christ is that I want to do what he says because of who he is? That, that, that because of who Jesus Christ is and what he means in my life, it moves me to action. So when Jesus speaks, that's a big deal to me, and I want to be a part of that. You know, you might be in a place even this morning where you, you come into a room like this, and, and maybe you would even say that you've never acted upon the teachings of Jesus Christ. Maybe the gospels maybe never gripped you like it has had James. It's never changed you. Or maybe this morning you would say this, no, Jesus Christ, he has gripped my life. He's changed. I've, I've accepted his forgiveness, and I stand right before God through Jesus Christ. But maybe you would say this, maybe it's your passion and your hunger for the ways of God has waned a little bit. My prayer for you this morning, and my prayer for myself as well, is that God would ignite in us a desire not just to be good listeners, but to then say, oh, because he said it, oh, I want to be a person of action. So let me read our text to us. Uh, James chapter 1, let's start in verse 19. James writes, my dear brothers and sisters, and so the tone right away is one of, it's love. He's a pastor to these people. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desi desires. It, it, in other words, it drives us away from God's best. Therefore, he says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And humbly accept the word that's planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is, is, uh, is like a, uh, someone who looks at their face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, they go away and immediately forgets what they look like. Verse 25. But whoever looks intently, like with passion, like a desire, like, Lord, I'm hungry. Lord, would you teach me? Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom 
and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, they deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Lord, we just come to you now. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, we just say this morning, Lord, we do more than anything else we want to hear from you. And so God, we ask that you would speak to us. And particularly this morning, Lord, we say, would, when you speak, Lord, we pray that your words, Lord, would not just be ones that we listen to and move on, but we pray that the things that we hear from you, that we would be the kind of people, the kind of church that we, we take action based on what you say. So, Father, I pray you'd protect my words now. I pray we would, as your church, not hear from me, but I pray we would hear directly from you, Lord, that your name and your renown would be great, not only in this church, but in churches all over our city this morning. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, here we go. Look at me at verse 19. James starts out again. He says, my dear brothers and sisters. Again, I want you to think of James as a pastor because that's what he is. And so he's looking at this group of people and he's, he's kind of a shepherding leader of them and he cares for them and, and, and he wants what's best for them. So my dear brothers and sisters know this too. His audience is ethnic Jews who have come to know Jesus Christ. So he's not writing to people that don't know Jesus. He's writing people that, to people that their hearts have been captivated by Jesus. And so they're in a place, though, where James is saying this, my dear brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be just the kind of people that you hear and don't do. He's going to say to them, I want you to be the kind of people, my dear, the ones I care about. It would be a tragedy, he's going to say to us, for you not to hear and become a person of action. He's going to say, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, what Jesus has done for you propels you to be in the game. You know, what's really serious about this text this morning is this. It's that if I respond to God's word, you're going to see in this text as simply a hearer and not a hearer and then a doer, that says a whole lot about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to be really clear on this on the very front end. There is no way that you can earn a right standing with God. You can't earn that. The, the gift of God through Jesus Christ, is it's a gift to us. We can't earn that. And so when we become good listeners and we become do, good doers, we do that because we want to express the fact that God has been so good to us. Okay? So I want to make that really clear. When James says, hey, I want you to be a person of action, your actions don't achieve you right standing before God. That's been taken care of through faith in Jesus Christ. Apart from me, apart from you. Notice what he says next. My dear brothers and sisters, so they're standing before God is right. My dear brothers and sisters, take note or, hey, this is really important. He says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I don't know about you, but too often I can be slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. But James is saying don't be that way. He's saying I want you to be slow to speak. Slow, you know, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow then to become angry. We, we learned in our last series that Jonah, he got angry. That question's still haunting me. What do I get angry about? Jonah was getting angry about things that didn't really matter. James says this. He says, hey, no, no, I want you to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I saw this lived out this week in a staff meeting. Everyone was weighing in on a topic, and a couple of times I actually thought to myself, 
I can't wait till this person stops talking because I want to talk again. Felt like I had so much good things to share. I was leading the meeting. So I was chiming in a lot. Got to the end of the conversation. The guy, the newest guy on our team, he spoke up, asked a few clarifying questions. And then as the last person to, to speak, he just said a few things. And they were the wisest words of the entire meeting. And as soon as he said them, I thought to myself, man, I wish I'd have said that. Man, James is saying this, be slow to speak. Let me ask you this question. Are you a good listener? Do you value the voice of others? Or do you just want to be heard? Do you love to hear others speak? Do you long to understand? Are you quick to listen? And he goes on, James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, verse 20, because Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. In other words, your anger is going to drive you away from where God wants you to be. So if you have an anger problem, and I can fall into that, if you have an anger problem, you know what that's going to do every time? It's going to take you away from the things of God. It's going to take you away from where God wants you to be. Then he goes on, verse 21. He says, therefore, I want you to get rid, big word there, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and then he says this, humbly accept. It's this idea, I want you, James is saying, to receive it with eagerness. I want you to humbly accept. Now let's be honest, there are certain things in the scriptures that are easy to accept. This subject, that subject, that subject, you're like, yeah, that's easy. Yeah, well, give me more of that, well, I'll do that. But then there are other things, you, walk, you come into some truths in this book and you go, that's a hard truth. That inconveniences my life. James is saying this, I want you to be the kind of people that you humbly accept even those things, that you receive them with eagerness. And then he goes on, the word planted in you, humbly accept the word that goes into you. And then he says, which, which that word can actually save you. He's referring to the fact that the message of Jesus Christ, that's in this book. That's what can save you. The knowledge of who he is, that he redeems, he brings us back. Life with God is available through him. That message can save you he's saying verse 22 do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves it's so so strong don't merely listen to it and deceive yourselves and then he makes a big statement four words do what it says do what it says in the first century there were these large lecture halls we see this in the book of acts a reference to the lecture hall in tyrannus and and the people they would go to these large lecture halls i mean imagine this imagine thousands and thousands of people and crowds, and, and they would come in and they would listen to these lectures, long lectures. And they would sit there and they would listen. And James knew that this was happening in the first century. And so he's speaking to this group and he's saying, hey, I know that some of you, you go to these places and you listen and you listen, but then you don't go out and do. You might even be wowed at some of the things that are said. Oh, that speaker, boy, that was inspirational. Boy, the way she talked, the way that he delivered that, oh, that, that really fired me up. But James is saying this, it would be a tragedy for you to hear from God the words and truth and to not go and do anything about it. You need to be changed by the truth, James is saying to us. It says of King Herod in the scriptures that when he heard the teachings of John the Baptist, in Mark chapter 6, it says this, it records that, he, that Herod, it says that he used to listen to him and be profoundly disturbed, and yet he enjoyed hearing him. And so King Herod, he would listen to John the Baptist talking about him preparing the way for the Lord. And 
and the news of Jesus and the kingdom of God and all that that would mean, it disturbed John the Baptist. Like, it stirred in him. Like, ooh, wow, that kind of, whoa, that makes me think. But then that, that would go away, that feeling or whatever you want to call it, it would lead to nothing. And then it says this, though. It says, but he enjoyed listening to him. You know what Herod was? He was charmed, but he was not changed. He was charmed. I enjoy listening to you, John the Baptist. Give me more. But he was never changed. It disturbed him, but it didn't move him. I heard it said this week, church can be one of the most dangerous places that you can go. Because you can hear truth, and then that truth, though, takes you to a fork in the road, and it makes us ask the question, when I publicly receive truth from God's word, or when I privately open up this book, it drives me to the fork in the road. What do I do with it? Does it just charm me? Does it sound good? I'm glad I'm here. Check the, or does it change me? You know, when you think about what we try to do here week after week and the preparation that goes into messages like this and messages in different venues all over this building all, all week long, I just want to be incredibly clear on this this morning. We are not trying to charm you. We are not trying to charm you. Every time we open up this book, we're saying this, we're saying, Lord, by your grace, you've been so good to us, and so, Lord, we come together, we thank you for this thing you created called the church, because once a week, you, you tell us to gather as your people, and so, and you all made that a priority today, even, and, and we gather together, and Lord, we want you to inspire us, inspire our faith, change us. We want to be more like you, and we want you to launch us into another week. That's why we gather, every time, not to charm, not to wow but to say, Lord, would you change us? And so those words then that you speak, they're not just words. Lord, they're a big deal to us, not because of the guy up front or the gal up front, because, but because of Jesus, because we're so infatuated with who he is. It's a dangerous place to sometimes hear truth. You know, sometimes a parent will say to one of their kids, did you hear what I said? And they're not asking that question because they think their child didn't audibly hear what they said. I think I had this happen yesterday. And the second time, you usually say it a little differently. Did you hear what I said? It's like, said. <laughs> said. And you know why a parent does that? It's because they're not seeing what they hope for in the response. James says, oh, when you hear God's word, when you hear truth, don't be like that, that you just, yeah, I hear, but it doesn't lead to anything. He's saying, no, it should lead to action. Verse 23, he goes on. And he does what he does really well. And you're going to see this at different points as we go through this book. James is going to take, he's going to give us some truth, and then he's going to support it. And he's going to give us an illustration because, again, he wants to drive home this truth. Again, know that James is looking at his church. He's looking at these people, and he's saying, it is so wise for you. It's the smartest thing that you could do for your marriage, for your singleness, for your friendships, for, you know, your work, for every area of your life. It's the wisest thing that you could do that not, to not just hear, but to be the kind of people that apply. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in, the, in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That sounds foolish, doesn't it? Who does that? Verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives, and this is so important, that gives freedom. So often people have this misconception that the ways of God are actually what lead me into bondage. That is not true. The 
the perfect law of God, it frees us. Have you ever noticed that oftentimes in our culture, the things that we think will bring us freedom are the very things that lead us into bondage? We depend on them then in unhealthy ways. James is saying this, the perfect law of God, verse 25, it will lead you to freedom. It's like a good father looks at their child and he gives them instruction, instruction that will take that child to the best place possible. So whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and I love this, and continues in it. So don't stop. Not forgetting what they have heard, but here it is, but doing it. That person They will be blessed, he says, in what they do. So he's saying that the perfect law of God, if you'll take that and you'll continue in it, you will be blessed in what you do. It will not deceive you. It will lead you to where God wants you to be. When I drove into the office on Wednesday morning, my gas gauge, I looked down at the truck gas gauge, and it said that I had a half a tank of gas, maybe just a hair less. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to need to fill up tonight or tomorrow morning. I went out then uh, at lunch. Drove a pretty good distance at lunch. Still a quarter tank of gas. I didn't think anything of it. Well, on the way home, our kids were going different directions. And Christina said, hey, do you, you want to go for a quick date tonight? The kids are all gone. We've got about an hour and a half. I said, yeah, let's do that. So we met together. And, and then I'm leaving there, heading home now. I'm heading south on 204th Street. Come up over one of these hills. Lots of traffic. 60 miles an hour or so. Or so. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, 60 miles an hour on the dot. Um, <laughs> 55, I don't know, 45, whatever it is. Anyway, I'm going. That's confession time here at the church. The Holy Spirit is working on me. Anyway, so I get over the top of this hill. All of a sudden, the truck, there's this little shake thing. I'm thinking, oh, no, you know, and, and, and the RPMs are, go to zero. No power. So I put on the hazard lights, and, you know, I hit the gas pedal, nothing. And so I, you know, it's a lot of traffic, and so cars are moving by, so I get over to the right finally. And I'm like, what's wrong with this thing? I, I try to start it. Battery's good. It's trying to turn over, but just won't turn over. So I'm not a big mechanic, guys, but I, I lift up the hood, and I knew that the drive belt, I had heard that these things get high in miles. The drive belt can go out. I thought, oh, so I, you know, I flicked the drive belt. I don't know. It's still there. The thing's not on fire. It looks good. It smells good. And so I get back in the truck. It's freezing cold. And I call Christine. I said, hey, the truck died. I'm going to need a ride. So she says, okay. And I hung up the phone. And then I looked down at the gas gauge again. And I just thought to myself this morning, quarter tank. And I look at the gas gauge, and I've, I've now driven several miles throughout the course of the day. And now the gas gauge is a little above a quarter of a tank. And I'm thinking to myself, either the Holy Spirit is alive and well in the heart of my gas tank, and this is a new phenomenon, it's great for my truck and gas mileage and the whole thing, or my gas gauge is deceiving me and I've been duped and I have been thought that I, I have, you know, thought that I could go much further than I can. And so before I called the tow truck, sure enough, I took a gallon of gas out there, I put it in there, the truck started, purred like a kitten, right? <laughs> now here's the thing, that gas gauge deceived me on a cold night, James is saying this to us. Don't miss this truth. The perfect law of God will not do that to you. You look to this book for, hey, what should I do in this situation? How should I live my life in this area? What kind of leader should I be? How do I approach this relationship? Oh, how do I look at the, the challenges that I face? The perfect law of God, James is saying, is this. It will not deceive you, but it will lead you to a blessed life. That's what he says right there in the text. Those who do, they will be blessed, and those who continue in it, 
you hear the echoes of, and you'll see this throughout the book of James, all the way through the book of James, you're going to hear the echoes of the teachings of Jesus Christ. You remember when Jesus taught maybe on this, he talked about the, the, the parable of the soils. He said that sometimes when I speak his words, you know, so he's saying when, when I speak, my words are kind of like seed, and sometimes that seed will fall on very rocky ground, and it won't grow up, and it won't produce anything. He said other times when my words go out, it will fall on, on, on soil that's really hard. Just the ground is hard. It, too, does nothing. Other times, he said, it falls on soil, and there's weeds that come, and they choke it out, and so it, too, grows to be nothing. But then he said this. He said, then there's some words that I speak, and some people, he's saying their hearts are like this, that that seed, it actually goes down, and it takes root. It goes deep, and, and it's good soil, and it takes root, so then that plant grows, and, and it actually produces some pretty beautiful things produces fruit. He said this later, he said, if you remain in me, he said, what will you do? He said, you will bear much fruit. Well, how's my heart? How does my heart receive his words? Last verses, look with me at verse 26. James gives us now an example. He says this, this is faith in action. This is faith on the move. Those who consider themselves religious, but he says, but do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, they deceive themselves. Their religion is worthless. Think about that. I mean, what strong language. You don't keep a tight rein on your tongue? Jesus is saying, the word of God is saying, your religion is worthless. But watch where he goes next. Verse 27, religion then that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Again, this is action-oriented. He's saying, hey, this is not just classroom charm, but it's those kinds of people that when you receive the teachings of Jesus, it propels you to action. He's saying, that's religion. That's what I'm looking for. That's what it means when your heart is so captivated by who Christ is that it propels you forward motion. I want to close this way. And I, I want to get just as practical as we can because that's what the book of James does over and over again. It's so incredibly practical. It's not rocket science at all. Maybe you've felt that way as I've gone through this text. You're like, that's not hard to understand. I was sitting actually with our oldest son watching our youngest at wrestling practice on Thursday night. And I said to him, I said, I said, Aiden, I need some help on this week's message. I said, what do you think it means to not merely listen to the word, but to do what it says? And he said, Dad, that's just pretty self-explanatory. I said, buddy, I got 35 minutes. But then he said this, and I thought this was really insightful. He said this. He said, that's really self-explanatory. And then he goes, but that's really hard to do. And I thought, yeah, you know, that is hard to do. And here's what I don't think we can miss, that, that James is what he's wanting us to do. is I, I think he's saying, don't just look at one area of your life where it's easy to listen and to do. But he's saying, hey, look at all of your life. Again, because as a good parent, I care about trying to be a good parent. I care about every area of my child's life. God looks at you and I, and he says, hey, I care about the things, even the spaces you don't want me in. I actually care a whole lot about those because I could help you, and I could bless you, and I could lead you. And so I want to work through just some of the things, some of the truths in scriptures, and I want us to ask the question, am I a hearer on that? Like, do I listen well? But then does that listening lead me to action? Do I invite God into that space? But let me say this, and I just want to be so crystal clear on this. 
it would not be right for you to leave here today and to say, you know what, I do. I just want to be a better person. I want to be a doer. I want to be more religious. I want to keep the law of God better. I, I just I want to fly a little. It would be not the point of this passage if you left here and you simply said, I just want to be a better person. That's not the point. That's not the point. James is saying the only way that you and I can be right with God is through Jesus Christ. And the only reason that you and I would say, you know what, I want to be not just a hearer but a doer. The only way, the only reason why we would do that is because our hearts would be captivated by Jesus Christ. That we would think, okay, Jesus, if you did all of that for me, if you would die for me so that I can stand before you completely forgiven and you died for people that don't have it all together like myself, Lord, then just as a response to you, as a way of saying thank you to you, like a good child would. Lord, I want then to follow your ways. I want to do these things, not because I must, but because you've been so good. So that's our motivation. So let me just read through some of these truths and again ask yourself a question, hearer or doer. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Do I hear that truth? Yes. Do I do it? That's the question. Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. Okay, do you hear that truth? But ask yourself this question, do you still try to impress God or to earn favor with God, or do you just simply rest and rejoice in the gift? 1 Corinthians 6.20, you are not your own, you were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Goes on to say, flee sexual immorality. Do I act on that truth? Do, do I really believe verse 25 in, of James chapter 1, that the, the, the perfect law of God actually gives me freedom? It actually blesses me. Psalm 23, here's a question that says that the Lord is my shepherd. And we don't use shepherd, that, that language isn't in our culture, and rightly so, we don't use that word. But what it's saying is this, the Lord is my leader. The Lord watches over me. Do you believe that? Do you believe God sees you? Like, you hear that, but do you believe it? Does it impact how you live? And then it goes on. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So, okay, so is that true of me, that I'm content? Okay, I shall not want. Psalm 16, verse 2. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. That's the truth. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Okay, so that's the truth. Apart from you, Lord, I'm saying it. I have no good thing, but... Do I do it? Do I believe it? Does it impact my life? Do I really, do I really believe that? Ephesians chapter 6, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Now, this one isn't just for the students. I think this is for adult children as well. I think this is also for if your parents have passed, how do you still talk about them today? Do you honor them? Do you honor them? Okay, I, I hear the truth. Do I do it? What's that look like? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord, here it is, with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So not just the small things of life, but 
the big things of life as well, the parts that scare me a little bit. And then it says, don't lean on your own understanding. Am I doing that? In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Psalm chapter, or Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart, for it, is the well, for it is the wellspring of life. Everything you do flows from it. Ask yourself the question, do I believe that? Do I protect my heart? Do I watch what I watch because of my God? Not because I must, but because he's wise and he's good and he has my best interests in mind. Joshua chapter 1, be strong and courageous. For some of you, I want to ask you this question today. You hear that, be strong and courageous. Ephesians chapter 6, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And so my question for you is this, are you going to keep fighting? Are you going to step into the space that's scary? Are you going to be brave? Are you going to keep going? Are you going to tackle the hill that seems way beyond your faith? That's the truth. The truth says, be strong and courageous in his mighty power. And so I have to ask myself this question, am I going to act courageously with my faith? Or am I going to live just kind of a, a life that just kind of gets by, tries not to make any ripples, and we just get by. We just, we don't act in faith. No. See, we, that's truth. We have to hear that. And then, Jeff, you have to do that. You have to believe that. You have to act on that. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, last one. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, again, I love the scriptures. The scriptures just wrap our, their arms around us so much. They say, I, my dear, I love you. This is the best news for you. My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Here's the question. Do I believe that persevering is worth it? The truth is, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your time, your talents, and your treasures, all that you do, all that you give, it is not in vain. That's the truth. But do I believe it to the point that I say, and yes, with vigilance, I will persevere, and I will keep on going? Back to where we begin, began, that question, when God speaks, how do I respond? How do I respond? Yeah, church, imagine a group of people where when we hear God's word, not just on the subjects that we love to hear his word on, but imagine a group of people that when we hear God's word on subjects that are harder for us to hear in times that are harder for us to be obedient, imagine if we were the kind of people that we said, God, not because we can, but because you're willing to give us the grace to do so. Lord, might we be hearers, not simply, but might we be doers of the word? Let's pray to that end this morning. So yeah, pray with me. Heavenly Father, I first just want to say thank you for your word. Father, thank you that you're the kind of God that you, you cared enough for us to give us instruction. You give us coaching on every single area of our lives. And so, Father, we just want to pray this morning that we would be the kind of people that we not only hear, but, Lord, that we have the wisdom, the vigilance, the persistence, the passion to be doers. Not because we must, but because we look at our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we are so, so thankful and grateful for your grace that when you speak, we want to listen. We want to follow. We want to be more like you. Lord, that's our cry, and we pray that, Lord, 
for our entire church. Might we be those kinds of people that people on the outside of this church say, we don't know what happens in that building, but we do know this. When those people come out, they're the kind of people that they live out the things that they hear. They live out the truth. So Father, give us the grace to do that. Lord, we love you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.